In this final session, we'll be going through prayers of release from the Shahada. We're going to renounce the Shahada, the confession uh, that there's only no God but Allah, implying, of course, Allah of the Quran as he's presented there and in the teaching of Muhammad, and also that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. We have explained that when a Muslim recites the Shahada, saying that Muhammad is Allah's messenger, they endorse the Quran as the word of Allah and the true reflection of Allah's characteristics, of God's characteristics, in fact. And they also say that they accept what the Quran says about Muhammad, including the obligation to follow his example, that he is the best example. And also they submit themselves to the threats and the curses which fall upon those who do not follow Muhammad, including the curse of death and torment. And they also accept and endorse the duty to fight against those who, all, who do not believe and follow Muhammad. So the Shahada, although it's just a few words, in fact binds people into a great deal of things, and many of them uh, bring uh, great darkness and pain and sorrow in the world. Some of the negative aspects of Muhammad's example that are attached to the Shahada include violence and warfare, murder, enslaving others, revenge and retribution, hatred, hatred of women, hatred of Jews, abuse, shame and shaming of others, intimidation, deception, taking offense, self-vindication, feelings of superiority, misrepresentation of God's character, the will to dominate others, and rape. By reciting the Shahada, Muslims also endorse the Quran and the Sunnah's claims about Christ and about the Bible. These include denial of Christ's death on the cross, hatred of the cross, denial that Jesus is the Son of God and curses upon those who believe this, the claim that Jews and Christians have corrupted their scriptures, and the claim that Jesus will return to destroy Christianity and compel the whole world to submit to the Sharia of Muhammad. So those who recite the Shahada, in fact, endorse the ultimate destruction of Christianity. When someone leaves Islam, they should specifically reject and renounce the example of Muhammad, together with all the curses tied up in the Shahada, and that means rejecting the belief that the Quran is the word of God and that Muhammad is the messenger of God. If the status of Muhammad as the messenger of God is not explicitly renounced, then the curses and threats of the Quran and Muhammad's opposition to the death of Christ, the sonship of Christ and the lordship of Christ can be a source of spiritual instability, causing someone to become easily intimidated and compromise their position as a child of God and breed vulnerability and a lack of confidence as a follower of Jesus. One area I haven't discussed in this, these units, but is also significant, is that in Islam, the jinns, the spirits that might be called demons, some of them are Islamic, and they follow Allah, and they follow Muhammad. And so in Islam, there's often been an engagement with the spiritual realm. And so many Muslims, when they leave Islam, have a history of the occult, of engagement with spirits. We haven't discussed this during the course, but renouncing the Shahada, I also believe, shuts off, closes down an openness to the occult and to spirits. And that's an area of ministry that's sorely needed as well in helping people that have come out of Islam to renounce engagement with the jinns, with the spirit realm. God explains very clearly in the scriptures that we should have nothing to do uh, with the demons and the spirits, that we only pray to God our Father in the name of Jesus Christ. 
So that's also something involved in rejecting the Shahada. It's deciding to seek for power and spiritual authority and engagement with the spiritual realm only through Jesus Christ and only in the name of Christ. We have declared the truth in the previous prayers for the Dhimma Pact. And this time I'm going to lead you straight into prayers of renunciation of the Shahada. And I draw your attention to those declarations of truth in the other prayers. But we're going to renounce the Shahada, and they're not that long, the prayers, but they're comprehensive. But also we have two specific sets of prayers uh, which will involve uh, renouncing deception, a specific aspect that flows on from the Shahada, and also uh, renouncing feelings of superiority and entitlement. And you may wish to develop other specific prayers that focus on other areas of uh, practice and life that are affected by the Shahada. But today, in this session, we're going to deal with renouncing Islam and the Shahada itself, and then renouncing deception, and also renouncing superiority. So I invite you to join in with me uh, with these prayers of renouncing Islam. I invite you to stand as you do this now. I renounce the false submission taught and demonstrated by Muhammad. I renounce and reject as false the belief that Muhammad is a messenger from God. I reject the claim that the Quran is God's word. I reject and renounce the Shahada and every recitation of it. I renounce saying Al-Fatiha. And I renounce its claims that Jews are under the wrath of God and Christians have gone astray. I renounce hatred of the Jews. I reject the claim that they have corrupted the Bible. I reject the claim that God has rejected the Jews and declare it to be a lie. I renounce reciting the Quran and I reject its authority over my life. I renounce all false worship based on Muhammad's example. I renounce all the false teachings about God which Muhammad brought and the claim that Allah as portrayed in the Quran is God. I renounce my dedication to Islam when I was born and the dedication of my ancestors. I specifically reject and renounce Muhammad's example. I renounce violence, intimidation, hatred, a spirit of offense, deception, rape, abuse of women, theft, and all the sins which Muhammad committed. I reject and renounce shame. I declare that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus and the blood of Christ cleanses me from all shame. I reject and renounce all fear incited by Islam. I ask God's forgiveness for having entertained fears due to Islam and choose to trust in the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ in all things. I seek forgiveness for any and all the ungodly deeds I committed because of following Muhammad as a messenger of Allah. I reject and renounce the blasphemous claim that when Jesus returns, he will compel all people on the earth to follow the Sharia of Muhammad. I choose to follow Christ and him alone. I confess that Christ is Son of God, that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead for my salvation. I praise God for the cross of Christ and I choose to take up my cross and follow him. I confess that Christ is Lord of all. He rules over the heavens and the earth. He is Lord of my life. I confess that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. 
I cling to Christ and declare that there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which I can be saved. I invite my Father God to give me a new heart, the heart of Christ, to guide me in all I do and say. I reject all false worship and dedicate my body to the worship of the living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I'd like to lead you into a session where we will be renouncing deception and rejecting deception as one of the specific aspects of Islam. And before we do that, we will also have some declarations of truth uh, from the Scriptures. Pastor Dominic, who was uh, falsely imprisoned in Indonesia for speaking up about the Islamic Jihad, said this about truth while he was in prison. Although truth is difficult and very expensive, we don't have any choice. We have to be willing to pay this expensive price. The alternative is to say goodbye to the truth. The truth lover has to fight extra hard to be someone with an iron will and at the same time be a person with a pure and transparent heart like glass. The iron will is strong, it cannot be bent, it is unswerving in its commitment to truth. The glass heart is one that is cleaned from one's own hidden interests and personal agenda. As with glass, the truth lover is sensitive and easily broken over the injustice and falsehood in the world. This broken-heartedness is not a sign of weakness, but it is a sign of strength and power. It is, he is strong-willed and, a sharp, and his sharp mouth is able to speak out in the face of untruth and the falsehood of his surroundings. His heart cannot be still or quiet. His heart is always full of fight against injustice. The fact that God is truthful is fundamental for us for entering into relationship with him. God is relational. He binds us into relationship. He binds himself into relationships with humanity. For example, Abraham. Let's consider how, what God said to Abraham. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan, where you now are an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Genesis 17, 7-8. God also entered into relationship with David. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Psalm 89, verses 3-4. to also, God is unchanging and faithful in his relationships. He always keeps his word. Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Romans 11, verses 28 to 29. Paul is speaking of the Jews, of the people of Israel. As far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. When God has promised, he does not change his mind. Titus 1.2 A faith and knowledge resting on the, eternal, the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Though this gift of eternal life is promised before the beginning of time, in God's own very heart, before there was even creation, the promise existed of eternal life. 
Hebrews 6, 17 to 19. Because God wanted to make his unchanging nature, the unchanging nature of his purpose, very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So strong and secure is the word of God. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 20. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. In contrast, this is not the personality of Allah in the Quran. For example, chapter 14, verse 4, Surah 14, verse 4 says, Allah leads astray whoever he wills, and he guides whomsoever he wills. And he is the Almighty One, the All-Wise. In contrast to Allah of the Quran, the one true God of the Bible wants us to be like him. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And one of the ways in which we show God's holiness is to be truthful, living in truth, because God is true. Satan loves to put lies into our hearts and on our lips, but God's truth protects us. Psalm 26.3, For your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. Psalm 31, verse 4, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. Psalm 40, verse 11, Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your truth and your love always protect me. Truth also cleanses us. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. That's from Psalm 51 verses 5 to 7. So truth cleanses us. Jesus also is full of truth. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1, 14. We are called to walk and to live in truth, to be in truth, John three twenty one. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. So we love to come into the light, into the truth. In the Gospels, Jesus says, I tell you the truth 78 times. 78 times Jesus says, I tell you the truth. And he says we can only come to God through truth. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4.21 And John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul also speaks about the impossibility of lying and following Christ at the same time. We also know that law is not made for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, the irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, adulterers, perverts, slave traders, liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. So he speaks about sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel. That is the truth of God. And you can't be living in the dark and also following the truth at the same time. Now, the issue of lying in Islam is a deep one. It's a cultural issue. 
Lying is permitted under certain circumstances. God deceives people in the Quran. That is, Allah deceives people in the Quran. And sometimes uh, lying is claimed to be obligatory under certain specific circumstances. So, for example, between a husband and his wife in order to maintain marital harmony. And sometimes when you might be testifying and giving evidence against yourself, you're allowed to lie. Also to reconcile people who are in conflict or in times of war, when Muslims feel under stress. There's numbers of circumstances where lying is, uh, is permissible or even obligatory. Also, the permission that's given for lying in the Quran and in the example of Muhammad has a cultural effect so that a whole culture can be affected by deception. And you get a media that's not honest. You get political leaders that don't tell the truth. You get people in their everyday affairs who don't tell the truth to each other because it's regarded as unacceptable to tell the truth. In, La- in Islam, it's even permitted to deny your faith, to lie about, lie about your faith. But a Christian cannot live this way. You cannot live this way. Matthew ten twenty eight to 33. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. And Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So when you choose to follow Christ, you choose to reject living in a culture of deception and lies, even white lies that might be part of just normal cultural uh, characteristics. So I'm going to invite you to renounce lying now and all deception due to the shahada to reciting the covenant of following Muhammad's example. Again, I invite you uh, to stand for this. Let's pray. I thank you, Father, that you are a God of truth, that you shine your light into the darkest night. Today I choose not to live in darkness, but to dwell in your light. Please forgive me for all the lies I have spoken. I have so often chosen the path of comfort and what is easy, not what is right. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse my lips from all ungodliness. Give me a heart which delights to hear the truth and a mouth ready to make the truth known to others. Give me courage to take comfort in the truth and to reject the lies. Today I reject and renounce the use of lies in my everyday life. I reject all the teachings of Islam which are used to justify telling lies, including taqiyya. I choose to turn away from all lying and deception. I choose to live in the truth. I declare that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I choose to live under the protection of his truth. I declare that my security is in you and that the truth shall set me free. Please show me, Heavenly Father, how to walk in the light of your truth. Give me the words to speak and a way to walk which is based upon your truth. Amen. Our final uh, set of renunciations and prayers has to do with freedom from a sense of superiority and entitlement. Now, a sense of entitlement is a problem for many people, not just uh, due to Islam. People who feel they're special, that the world owes them, that they don't have to bear responsibilities that we all have as part of living. Sometimes it's because people haven't really grown up and don't know how to live as as an adult. But in Islam, there is a great emphasis on superiority, on who is the best. The Quran says that Muslims are the best, better than non-Muslims. Chapter 3, verse 110 of the Quran says, You are the best nation ever brought forth to men, bidding to honor 
forbidding dishonor, and believe in Allah. Had the people of the book believed, it were better for them. Some of them are believers, but most of them are ungodly. Also, the Quran says that Islam is supposed to rule over all other religions. It is he who has sent his messenger with the guidance and the religion of truth that he may cause it to triumph over every religion. That's chapter 46, verse 28 of the Quran. There are many hadiths of Muhammad which place a great emphasis on superiority. What sort of horse is superior to another kind of horse? Which tribe is superior to another tribe? Muhammad himself said that he was superior, that his ancestry was superior, that his clan, his tribe, his nation were superior to all other nations. Now, the religion of Islam has had a deep influence on Arab culture and shaped it over more than a thousand years. In, in Arabic-speaking cultures particularly, concepts of honor and shame are so important and people hate to be seen to be made inferior. Where there's conflict, there's often a recourse to humiliating others and seeking satisfaction for a sense of offense. When someone leaves Islam and decides to follow Christ, they really need to renounce this emotional worldview in which a person needs to feel superior to those around them and gain satisfaction from them. They need to renounce the culture of honor and shame which produces so many abuses and hurts, even on so-called honor killings. The key to being released from the oppressive worldview of viewing the world in terms of honor and shame and superiority and entitlement is the example of Jesus Christ. This is very beautifully expressed in the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's a beautiful declaration of the way of viewing ourselves, not in terms of honor and shame, but in terms of humbling ourselves and Christ will raise, God will raise us up in Christ Jesus. We should not consider ourselves better than others. We don't do anything out of vain conceit. Don't trust a prophet who tells you he's the best person that ever lived. You know, from time to time, a question would come up among Jesus' followers as to who was the best. Will I be the best? Is he the best? They wanted to know who'd had the best place of honor in Jesus' kingdom. James and John came to Jesus and said, um, you know, uh, will you do what we ask? And Jesus says, well, what do you want? And they said, well, we want to sit your right and your left hand in glory. Then thinking when he's the king, they'll be right up there at the right hand and the left hand, his henchmen, if you like. And Jesus says, you just have no idea what you're asking. Can you drink my cup and go through my baptism? They said, oh, we can. He's referring to suffering and death, of course. 
And Jesus says, you will. You will go through what I'll go through. My baptism and my cup you'll drink from. He knows that they will suffer. But he said, these places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. Now, the ten heard this and they were indignant. They're trying to get in early and get that place, you know, get that special place. And Jesus got, got them all together and said to them, you know what the world is like. The Gentiles, they lord it over another. You know, the throne is set up higher, so everyone else is lower, and some want to be bigger than others and greater than others and above others. Jesus said, that's not the way you're meant to be. In the kingdom of God, it's not like that. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be the slave. If you want to get on in the kingdom of God, serve. Become a slave, Jesus said. That's what's required. What he was trying to do was to teach them that it's not about entitlement, superiority, lording it over other people. He said, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I am totally convinced that this message of Jesus to his disciples really hit them in the guts. They really uh, were changed by it. It touched them deeply. And it gave them a strength that enabled them to endure the persecution and the humiliations and the rejections that came later. It is also a stiff antidote to Muhammad's self-centeredness and will to dominate others and inviting others into superiority. When Jesus refers to the Gentiles in this passage who lord it over each other, he means all the nations. It's a universal trait of human nature to want to feel important. Like James and John, human beings all over the world, they generally will go to the best places or seek the seats of grace, best honour. And and Jesus responds to this. He said, if you really want to follow me, you have to learn how to serve. And he himself showed that. As Paul says in Philippians 2, he made himself nothing, even to death on the cross, the most disgraceful place to be at that time for anyone hanging on a cross. Well, the desire to be superior is a huge trap for human beings. In the Garden of Eden, the snake tempted Eve and said to her, you will be like God. And on this basis, Eve went along with what the snake wanted. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) And a lot of trouble and pain is caused in the world by people wanting to be better than others, to be superior. Now, the heart of Jesus is completely different. He chose to serve, not to dominate. He didn't kill, but gave his life for others. The true follower of Christ has the spirit of Christ and does the same. He or she gains no pleasure from any sense of feeling superior. It's no comfort to us when we suffer or when we're being hurt for the name of Christ that we should feel superior to others. A true Christ follower is not afraid of shame and what other people think. They rejoice in shame, the shame that the world might seek to impose, because they trust in God to vindicate and protect them. They know their citizenship and their identity is in heaven. The danger of feeling superior, it's there in the story of the prodigal son. The good son feels better and unable to join in the party for the long-lost son when he returns. The father rebukes him and says, you don't understand what the kingdom of God is like. You don't understand what God's heart is like. The pathway to real success in God's eyes is to seek and serve others, not to lord it over them. I've really emphasized this because this is such a deeply ingrained characteristic of, of, of what it means to follow Muhammad's example. And it becomes a, a part of the cultures of many Islamic societies. And if someone's leaving Islam, coming out of Islam, they really need to renounce this any sense of superiority. You just cannot, you cannot 
you cannot carry that with you into the kingdom of Christ. It will do you no good. It will be of no value to you. I'd like to invite you again to, to join with me in these prayers. I thank you, Father, that I am wonderfully made because it is you who made me. Thank you that you love me. You call me your own. Thank you for the privilege of following Jesus Christ. Please forgive me for entertaining the desire to feel superior. I renounce and utterly reject such desires. I refuse to take comfort in feeling better than others. I acknowledge that I am a sinner like everyone else and I can accomplish nothing without you. I also repent of and renounce feelings of belonging to a superior group or background. I confess that all peoples are equal in your sight. I repent of uttering words of contempt for others and rejection of others and seek forgiveness for all these words. I reject thinking less of people because of their race, their gender, their wealth or their education. I acknowledge that it is only by the grace of God that I can stand in your presence. I separate myself from all human judgment and look to you alone to save me. I specifically renounce Islam's teaching that the righteous are superior, that Islam makes people successful, and that Muslims are superior to non-Muslims. I reject and renounce the claim that men are superior to women. Heavenly Father, I turn away from every false sense of superiority, and instead I choose to serve you. Lord, I also choose to rejoice in the success of others. I reject and renounce all envy and jealousy of others. Lord, please give me a sound and accurate judgment about who I am in you. Teach me the truth of how you see me. Help me to be content as the person you have created me to be. Amen. My desire and my prayer is that these prayers will be of value to you. I'd like to pray for you now and to bless you. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for these brothers and sisters that have renounced the shahada, have renounced deception, have renounced feelings of superiority and wanting to dominate others. I do uh, cancel and break every covenant uh, with Islam and specifically with deception and with superiority. I declare that these uh, words spoken in the past uh, submissions made even long ago have no more power or authority in these people's lives. Set them free, Lord. We nail the shahada to the cross and declare that its power is disgraced and destroyed in Jesus' name. We nail to the cross the example of Muhammad and every one of his attributes and declare that he is revealed for who he is, that it is not the truth. We declare also that the powers and principalities that feed off the example and the claims of Muhammad are also disgraced and humiliated, disarmed, and have no more authority over us. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would set free all these brothers and sisters from the claims of Islam, including fear, fear of being hurt or attacked for, for rejecting Islam, fear of death. We break that off in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd give them a bold confidence and a deep sense of what's right and wrong. That, Lord Jesus, that you would teach their hearts what it means to follow you. Help them to put their footsteps in your footsteps 
and to go where you have led the way. Heavenly Father, I pray that the cross of Christ would shine, its meaning would shine in the hearts of every single one of us, Lord. That we would understand what it means to be identified with Christ, to have a life that is cross-shaped. Help all these brothers and sisters to know what it means to take up their cross each day and follow you. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless them with all the powers of the kingdom of heaven, with authority to know and proclaim the truth, with a deep awareness of your love and acceptance of them, with a thorough and deep conviction that they are children of the living God and that they will reign with you in heaven. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare them for that day when you call them to share in your reign and your rule and your authority in the heavenly places. Bless them with every blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.